0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today uh, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything that's come up, maybe in your Bible reading that you've been confused by or curious about, or On the other hand, if there's something in your life that you would like to talk about, get advice on, or ask for prayer for, we would love to talk with you, pray for you, hopefully answer some of those questions. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897 nine seven. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in, whether you're tuning in here up and down the front range of the Rockies, from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Pueblo, Colorado, on Grace FM. You are hearing the program live. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in today. And we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and maryland as well as those listening on truth fm in tennessee and into parts of north carolina and kentucky we're so glad to have you with us thanks for tuning in today just a reminder that those of you listening on the east coast and the area around tennessee you are hearing this program on a one-week delay but we would love for you to call in and then uh, we'd answer your questions and pray for you. And then you'll have the opportunity the following week to tune in and listen to yourself on the radio, tell others to tune in as well. But just a heads up that those of you listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, you're here in the show on a one week delay. But we also want to give a big hello to everyone who listens online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the mobile app and through your browser at gracefm.com. Just a reminder that you can do that if you are not near a radio. Like, for example, myself, I don't actually have a radio in my house. It's just kind of a sign of the times. I listen in my car a lot. But uh, when I'm at home, I have the app on my iPad, on my phone, and so what I'll do is, if I'm at home and I want to listen to Grace FM, I'll just uh, turn on that app. So if you don't have that app, I encourage you to go get that. Go in your app store and download the Grace FM app, and you'll be able to listen anywhere you are in the country or even abroad anywhere in the world. You'll be able to listen to our shows live, this show and every other show on Grace FM, by getting that app. Just type in Grace FM into the search bar in your App Store, and it'll come right up. Just put it on your device, and you'll be all set to go. And of course, you can always listen in your browser, whether on your mobile devices or um, on your laptop at work. If you listen to uh, music or the radio, you can always tune into Grace FM by going to gracefm.com and listening to this and all the other shows online. So, however, you've tuned in today, Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. Once again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you, talk with you, and hopefully answer your questions. Give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show, is always a good time to call in because we, uh, we have empty lines as we start the show and the, as they fill up throughout the, throughout the course of the show. Uh, sometimes they can get full, so now's a great time to call in. Once again, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And our church, we meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in downtown Longmont. We're a church that loves Jesus. We love the Bible. We generally study through the Bible uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And um, currently we're in a series which is actually a topical series. But even in this series what we do is on on the Sunday we'll have a passage from the Bible and we'll study through it verse by verse. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that series after we go to a couple of our callers. But uh, we love to study the Bible, we love Jesus, and we have a great children's ministry, great worship ministry. We would love for you to join us and worship with us and be part of what God is doing at Whitefields. It's an exciting thing to be a part of, and we see God really moving in our congregation and and growing what uh, his work is here in Longmont through Whitefields. So we would love for you to be a part of that. We'd love for you to join us. Check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And if you are in the Longmont area or in this area of northern Colorado within driving distance, do come join us on a Sunday morning and worship the Lord with us. And if you're not in our area, but you know people who are, we'd love it if you would tell them about uh, God's work here at Whitefields and send them our way. So you can check us out again online, whitefieldschurch.com. And we meet every Sunday morning in downtown Longmont. For those of you who know our city, uh, we are one block west of Main Street on Longspeak Avenue in the St. Brain Memorial Building, which is just on the edge of Roosevelt Park. The city park here in Longmont is just south of the downtown park and ride. It is at um, the northwest corner of Longspeak Avenue and Kaufman Street. It's a northwest corner of Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And we meet there every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for worship and the Word. And we'd love for you to join us or send other people our way. If you're in Longmont or any of the surrounding communities within driving distance, uh, join us. But also check us out online. You can listen to our sermons and all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also connect with us on all the socials, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, let's see you can connect with some we have a youtube channel. you can also um connect with us yeah in in all those ways I don't know if we have more, but that's uh that should get you started facebook twitter instagram youtube uh good ways for you to connect with us, but also you can um listen to our show every day on grace f m We have a show that airs at two thirty p m called Life in the Field, which is an allusion to how um we live our lives on mission with God in his mission field, which is the world. And so we live our lives on mission, in life. so we call it Life in the Field. That's every weekday, 2.30 p.m. Every weekday, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you are not able to be in church or you're away or, or working or, or whatever it is on Sunday mornings, tune in 10 a.m. and you'll be able to hear our program 10 a.m. Sunday mornings on Grace FM as well. Let's go to our first caller, Ted in Maryland. Hi, Ted. Welcome to the Hi, program. how are you doing? Doing well.
1: Hi, um I got a prayer request um i'm I hoping uh, that uh, other people will pray too um mm-hmm. when they hear this. Um, I have uh six loved ones that I'm praying for salvation, and okay. um, also praying for direction in my life um am kind of uh like through a tough time and just sometimes not really sure like how to go about it and stuff like that.
0: Okay. So. Yeah. Well, let's start by praying for your family and then then just for you. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for Ted and just as a community of people listening uh, in different parts of the country right now, Lord, we ask that you would save Ted's family members, these six people who he cares deeply about. And Lord, I know that Ted cares about these people. Clearly, he carries them on his heart. But Lord, I, I um I recall the fact that as much as ted cares about these people you care about them more lord you created them you formed them in the womb lord you have provided for them all of their lives you know their comings and goings when they lie down and when they rise up uh, you've been you know you know the number of hairs on their heads and you care about them and so lord i pray that you would open blind eyes lord that you would open that you would soften hard hearts and lord that you would um by your spirit, bring about conviction of sin, conviction of righteousness, conviction of judgment. Lord, I pray that you'd use Ted and and send other people into their lives to sow seeds of the gospel and to speak words of truth to them. Lord, I pray for Ted's family members truly, that their eyes would be opened, that they would embrace the goodness and the hope of the gospel and that they would be saved. And Lord, I pray for Ted individually and just ask, Lord, that these difficult things he's facing and seeking your will about, Lord, I pray that you would Reveal that to him and lead him. Lord, maybe just show him what's the next step that he needs to take. Maybe not the five-year plan, but the next step, and help him to be faithful and obedient to take that step. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank
0: you. You bet. Uh, God bless you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303 690 That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, 690 3000 Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, David, in Castle Rock, Colorado. Hi, David. Welcome to the program.
2: Hi, thank you. My question is, did God give permission to eat clean meat, did he declare it clean, I mean unclean meat, I'm sorry, did he ever declare it, actually declare it clean, for example, pork, shrimp, crustaceans, whatever you want to call it?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that text is found in Acts 10, and uh, and then it's discussed in Acts 15. So what happened, you might know the story, Peter had a vision, he was on top of a, uh, he was on top of the house of Simon the Tanner in the city of Joppa, which is uh, actually like modern day Tel Aviv. I actually got to go. It's, it's amazing that this house that Peter had this vision and it still exists today. It's been occupied by people since, you know, that time, like 2000 years ago almost. And yeah, Peter was up on the roof which uh, a lot of people have patios up on their roof in Israel and that part of the world. So he was up there around noon and he had a vision. And in that vision, he saw, you know, all of these meats, clean and unclean meats, both on this um, sheet descending from heaven. And he heard a voice that was telling him, take and eat. And Peter said, no way, Lord, which is a funny thing to say, isn't it? Right? Like Because if you say no, Lord, then he's not actually your Lord, right? But Peter says, no, Lord, and then God says, hey, look, Peter, do not call um, unclean what I have declared clean. And so Peter was unsure about this, but then he understood the purpose of what the vision was that God was saying, hey, look, the, um, the ceremonial law has been fulfilled in Jesus. And so then we see the Apostles discussed this in Acts chapter 15. You know, should they require Gentiles, meaning non-Jews, to keep the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament if they wanted to be Christians? And they said, no, they would not place that burden upon them. Rather, um, they would go with the fact that, you know, the gospel that had been revealed to them through Jesus was, sal- and not just through Jesus, but even in the Old Testament, was salvation, um, by grace alone, through faith alone. And so um, that meant that they were not required to keep the Old Testament law. Now, however, um, that doesn't mean that somebody's forbidden from keeping the Old Testament dietary laws. Like, let's say that you, David, have a conviction that, hey, there's a reason why God said, don't eat pork, don't eat uh, shellfish, um, you know, don't eat certain birds, for example. And, and you know what? What's interesting is that we know now something that they didn't know then. At that time, it might have actually seemed arbitrary to the Jewish people, like that God's giving these rules, like just arbitrarily picking and choosing, like, hey, don't eat pigs. And they're like, why? And he's like, just don't do it. And they don't understand why. But they say, OK, we're going to obey because you're God and we obey what you say. Um, and then now with science, right, we have figured out that, well, the reason why God said don't eat pork was because there are actually dangers inherent to eating pork if you don't heat it well and if you don't store it well, right? Like you can get really, really sick and die. And these dietary laws and the ceremonial law, washing and foods that they were allowed to eat or not eat, actually saved the Jews from diseases that, for example, in Europe, other people got diseases and died and the Jews did not. And, um, And why was it? Well, because they were following this law, which, uh, unbeknownst to them, was actually protecting them. I think so many times that's how it is with God's law, isn't it? That sometimes we can think, God's restricting me, he's restricting my freedom, when at the same time you may not even realize the fact that what he's actually doing is protecting you because he loves you. So, does that answer your question, David?
2: Well, yes, but uh, other denominations, some denominations claim that the vision was just a, just that. It was talking about eat with the Gentiles, not not really the meat. Because the meat is still, in fact, unclean. It is still dangerous if you, just like it was a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I get your point. Here, I'll tell you from a theological perspective, David, why um, I do believe that the meat is now considered permissible. Now, let's not just say that it's not forced, right? Like, if you're a Christian, right. you don't have to eat shellfish or crustaceans, you can say, hey, you know what, I think there was some wisdom in what God said, and so I'm going to follow those those dietary guidelines. But let me tell you from a theological perspective why this is the case. See, one of the big things that some people wonder about is they'll say, hey, aren't Christians arbitrary in their use of the Old Testament law? And here's why. Because they'll say things like, they'll read a passage that says that, for example, homosexuality is forbidden, but yet they, there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that are forbidden that Christians don't adhere to, for example, right now, I'm wearing a polyester cotton blend shirt, which, according to the Old Testament law, is forbidden because it's forbidden to mix fabrics um, you know so the another one is like um, well let, let's just stick with that, and there there are a few others you know that that are like, well, clearly these are things that we don't uh follow nowadays well another one would be yeah not eating shellfish right like christians go out and they'll get like pork and lobster and stuff like that which is like awfully um unkosher meal but they'll do it and they won't they won't think a single thing about it well why is it that they'll say on the one hand well the old testament says that homosexuality is forbidden but yet they'll go out and they'll eat lobster and eat pork well and some people would say hey is um Is that just like arbitrary, right? Like you're just picking and choosing as whatever's convenient to you. And the answer is no. There's actually something more going on. But I will tell you this. I think there are a lot of Christians who don't even know the answer to this question. So I'm hoping that a lot of people who are listening will um, tune in right now because I think this is really important. I think it's important that we understand why we do some things in the Old Testament and not other things. Because it's not as simple as that, uh, that the Old Testament law just doesn't apply. No, that's not how it works. It's, it's more complicated than that, but it's not overly complicated. Here's what it is. The Old Testament law breaks into three, um, three types of laws, so three categories of laws. And we could describe these as ceremonial laws, um, what we call civil laws, and what we call moral laws. So ceremonial, civil, and moral and actually, this distinction is a historical distinction that uh, Jewish people have made. And we see this distinction made in the actions of Jesus. And we also see this distinction made explicitly by some of theologians throughout history. For example, John Calvin was a very famous one who codified this and said there are three categories in the Old Testament law. And he showed that Jesus himself recognized these three categories and acted accordingly. So civil laws. Now, now here's why, why in the Old Testament law, they're all mixed together. So let's say in one chapter, you, you know, verse one might be a civil law. Verse two might be a ceremonial law and verse three might be a moral law. And they're all just jumbled together. Uh, why? Well, because in that society, they were what's called a theocratic society. Right. So they they for them, a ceremonial law was a civil issue. And it was a moral issue. So to break a ceremonial law was actually a civil crime. Whereas in our case, that's not, not the case. And it was also not the case in the time of Jesus when the Jewish people were being ruled over by the Romans. So you can see that in the this was a really big issue at the time of Jesus, and you can read it in the Gospels, that there were ceremonial things that the Jews were told to do and even civil laws that the Jews were given in their own law. Like, for example, um you know, putting people to death for crimes of blasphemy. And yet the Jews were not allowed to do that because the right to carry out capital punishment was taken away from them under the Romans. So there, there are a few examples of this. And here's here's what it all comes down to. The civil law, it works in a society. The civil laws apply in a society which is theocratic, which the Jews only had for a certain amount of time you know during the time when they were in exile during the time later when they were ruled by the Romans etc they didn't they did not carry out their civil laws because they couldn't but then we have the ceremonial law now the ceremonial law is interesting because this specifically is fulfilled in and through jesus christ and that's why we don't carry out the ceremonial laws okay because jesus himself is our sabbath Jesus Himself is the one who makes us clean uh, from that which is unclean, right? He makes us clean from the inside out, and um, and He is the fulfillment of you know all of the festivals and feasts. For example, find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean you can't continue carrying out those ceremonial uh, rules or whatever laws, but it doesn't. It means that you're not obligated to. And this is stated very clearly in. Like Colossians chapter two, let no one judge you by your observance of these ceremonial things. Uh, Now, why do we keep then the moral laws? And here's why the moral laws are tied. They're rooted in God's character and God's character is unchanging. And that's why the moral laws from the Old Testament are eternal because God's unchanging character is the basis of the moral law. So when we read things like the 10 commandments, for example, our moral laws, perhaps with the exception of the Sabbath, which is um, a ceremonial law. But again, uh, that there's a principle in there, which we sh- probably should continue to keep. But again, like Paul says in Colossians 2, uh, we're not judged based on our keeping of it. So does that make sense? I think that distinction is really, really important for people to understand. Well, it does make sense.
2: <clears throat> the best, I guess, the thing that you said makes the most sense is God knew what he was talking about. So if you choose not to eat pork because God knew what he was talking about, you don't have to. <clears throat> those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But some people say it's biblical not to eat pork, but it's also biblical. that You said you brought up Sabbath yourself. You think that's a ceremonial law, but still one in, etched in stone.
0: Yeah, it's a ceremonial law, and um, again, we're not going to be we're not, um, judged based on, so that, that becomes a conscience issue as far as these things, but it also becomes one where there's a principle in it. So for example, with tithing, in the New Testament we see that the tithing also falls in that same category, but do I think people should tithe? Well, yes, because I believe there's a really, really important principle, which is for our good in it, so that, that falls in that category, so hopefully that makes sense. It does. Cool. Hey, thank you so much for the call, David. God bless you. Oh, thank you. God bless All you. Right. Have a good Bye-bye. day. Bye-bye. You too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got one open line. Let's give you the number. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303 Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Maynard. Ah, uh, looks like he's driving on I seventy six. Hi, hi, Maynard. Welcome to the program.
1: How you doing there, Pastor? Doing great. Hey, uh, quick question. I have been uh, doing a Bible study off of uh, about Proverbs, mm-hmm. and the author claims that um, when you read Proverbs one twenty, that they're talk calling wisdom God. But if you go into Proverbs two four and on another verse, I think it's two ten, it actually clearly states that Proverbs is a separate entity from God, and I think it's in Psalms. I'm not correct. I'm not hundred percent sure about it. That if you read, uh, wisdom says that she was with the Father at uh, during the creation of the Earth and uh, the stars and the moons and stuff. And I'm just wondering what your take is on that.
0: Yeah, so I think that's a fabulous question. I think it's a question that not enough people talk about. So thank you for asking that. Okay, so there's a sense in which you should think about wisdom in the same way that you think about John chapter 1 verse 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. Now, let me explain. In Proverbs, and it's not just in chapter 1, it's also, I believe, in chapter 5, where it talks about wisdom calls out in the streets. So wisdom is personified. Um, it's, I believe that passage that actually talks about um, wisdom being present in creation is also in the book of Proverbs. So what you have is wisdom personified, but you see um, wisdom as the wisdom of God personified. And I do actually believe that this is speaking about Jesus. Now, you you bring up an interesting question. Then why is wisdom talked about in the female gender? And the reason is because um, as they're personifying wisdom, wisdom just generally in uh, ancient thinking was thought of as a, uh, in the female. You know that there are a lot of languages where, um, you know, like a pencil, for example, will have a gender, even though clearly pencils don't have genders right? Or like, you know, in Spanish, different words will have a certain gender. They'll be male or female uh, or in German, for example, same thing. Now, that doesn't mean that that inanimate object is actually male or female. It's just the way that it's spoken of. For example, I was at a conference this past week and uh, people mentioned the church and when they would use a pronoun to describe the church, they would use the word she, that's interesting and and that 's actually biblical, right, because God calls the church his uh, bride but um but anyway i i don 't think that we should let that divert us from you know the fact that wisdom is uh, addressed with a female pronoun uh, i don 't think that should divert us from seeing that wisdom personified is an allusion to Jesus, and that 's why I say John chapter one, verse one is really. Uh, key in this thought because there, here's what um, John says. He says, um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, there's something that we often miss when we read in English, and that's that uh, the word there in John 1 1 is capitalized. Now, why is it capitalized? Because the word behind the word word, if you're following what I'm saying, right, the Greek word. That's translated the word is the Greek word logos, which literally means the word, but there's actually something more that it means. So this idea of logos was a concept, a Greek philosophical concept. See, the Greeks believed, uh, specifically the Stoics, they believed that there was an, an invisible force behind the universe and they said that this was a moral force, right so it's the thing that causes all the laws of physics and all the all the um, morality that we innately know inherently know it's that is the thing that causes it, so it's the invisible force that drives the universe and, and is behind everything. it's the force that determines right and wrong it's the force that holds together the laws of physics, and they called that the logos and John taps into that idea some people have translated logos they say it's the big idea of the universe right or you might even call it the wisdom behind the universe and john taps into that idea and he says you know guys that concept you have of logos the force behind the universe i'm here to tell you what the logos is in the beginning was the logos and the logos was with god and the logos was god he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not made anything that was made. And then he drops the bomb in verse 14 and he says, and the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, let me just wrap this up real quick. John is saying that the wisdom, the, the big idea, the driving force behind the universe is God. Not just any God. He used the first three verses of the, Hebrew Bible in the beginning is identifying it as the God of the Hebrews. But then he's also saying this, it's actually not just the God of the Hebrews is Jesus Christ who has, who is God come to us to dwell among us. And I just tie this all up by saying this, that same concept that's tapped into in Proverbs, the wisdom behind the universe, the wisdom through which God created the world is Jesus. And Jesus is wisdom personified. He is God become flesh and dwelt among us. So I hope, hope you're uh, tracking with me there, Maynard. I have to let you go because we've come to our midway point in the show. Um, God bless you. And thanks for that fabulous question. I'm really glad to hear people digging into that idea. I think it's really great. Hey, we'll be back in two minutes time right after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like advice on or like to discuss, we'd love to talk with you and hopefully answer some of your questions. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720 336 We have all open lines right now. We had a few callers who dropped. So if you are one of those callers, we'd love to hear back from you. Feel free to give us a call. We've got all open lines right now and we would love for you to connect with us. Hey, but we've got some things going on that I'd love to talk with you about and share with you about um, this coming Sunday. We are going to be finishing a series that we've been doing. It was originally a seven-week series, but uh, we got so much feedback from people that it was so helpful to them that we decided to extend it and add two more weeks onto the series. So the series was called, I Could Never Believe in a God Who, and for the course of nine weeks total now, we have been answering, uh, what we did is we took a poll and we, we asked people to fill out this, so people from our church, also some of you from this program, and and other people from my blog online, and we asked people, hey, would you fill out this survey? And the survey just had one question. How would you finish this sentence? I could never believe in a God who, in other words, what are the things that you struggle with the most? What are the biggest hurdles for you when it comes to believing in God and uh, believing in the Bible and embracing the gospel and really going all in? And um, we suggested a few topics, but then we also let people fill in the empty blank uh, space where they could tell us the things that they struggle with the most. And so what we did is we, you know, we got a lot of responses and we took those responses and we kind of narrowed them down to originally seven. Then we added two more um, topics, which are the things which clearly people, and this is Christians and people who are not Christians, struggle with when it comes to God and the Bible and things like that. So we looked at you know, is the Bible trustworthy? Um, what about when God doesn't answer my prayers? That's something we looked at this past Sunday. That was really good. That was one of our kind of bonus um, studies, I guess you could say. We looked at Second Corinthians chapter twelve, one through ten, and we looked at this question of, you know, how can I believe in a God who doesn't answer my prayers? What about when I ask for good things and God doesn't give them to me? If God can help, why doesn't He? And and what what is up with like these verses where Jesus says? anything you ask in my father's or in my name the father will give you and and what about you know he says anything you ask for in faith it will be given to you and yet clearly that isn't always the case and so how do we make sense of that like there are times when we do pray and we don't get what we want in fact there are several examples in the bible of people who prayed and didn't get what they wanted in fact jesus himself prayed and was told no by God and didn't get the thing that he asked for. And so that brings up a really big issue. And um, and so we, brought, we talked about that this past Sunday. Maybe there's even some of you listening who you say, hey, that's the very thing I'm struggling with. Give us a call. Text us. We'd love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Well, this Sunday we're going to be wrapping up this series by looking at the issue of sexuality. And our our title is, I could never believe in a God who doesn't affirm some people's sexuality. And this was one of the biggest responses we got in our poll. You know, many people said, I could never believe in a God who doesn't affirm some people's sexuality. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that this past week, I was at the Calvary Global Network, which is called CGN conference in southern california in costa mesa at calvary chapel costa mesa and um and uh there was a speaker there There there's an amazing lineup of speakers i was there with uh, pastor ed taylor and cody king and a few other people who are here on grace fm and they had an amazing lineup of speakers very helpful you know very very much felt like this was a great equipping conference and by the way all these messages are available online if you uh would like to listen to them, just type in CGN Conference into Google and you'll be able to find the archive and watch the videos of these messages. There's one in particular by a man named Sam Albury. Um, It's CGN, not CCN, so CGN. Um, And it's Sam Albury. And he did a uh, study on this topic called um, Gospel Confidence in a Sexually Shifting Culture. And it is so much worth listening to. It was so helpful for me um, to understand where people are coming from and and how morality is thought of in our in our culture today And then how can we how can we speak into that the gospel in a way that will really? Captivate people and really be recep received by them. So check this out. You can go on my blog I posted uh, the video of his message as well as kind of a summary of what he said um, and you can go onto my blog and um, you can watch that video and kind of read a summary of, of what he said. And you can do that at uh, the website address is nickkady.org. So that's nickkady.org, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. And you can go on there and you can see this video. It's right on the front page of the blog. And so Sam Albury also wrote a very helpful short book, which I read last week. I, I literally read the book in one sitting because it was such a well-written and and also short book, and it's called "Is God Anti-Gay." So you can also Google that or you know check it out on Amazon. I would really recommend you you pick up a copy of that. Is God Anti-Gay? But we're also going to be talking about this Sunday, and we're going to go beyond just what what's written in the book and these things. We're going to really address this from a biblical perspective. And, and this issue of I could never believe in a God who doesn't affirm some people's sexuality. this is such a hot button issue in our society today. so maybe this Sunday this is the time when you you come visit us over at whitefield's community church we'd love to have you maybe bring a friend somebody who struggles with you know questions regarding this issue of same sex attraction or you know why does God um you know limit what people can do you know isn't love love and I mean why would God tell people not to um you know, love love, love each other and, and do these things. And so we're going to talk about that. This coming Sunday at Whitefields. So if you need directions or you need more information about our church, check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. It'll be Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you. Well, let's go to our next caller, Michael, also driving on I-25. Hi, Michael. How are you doing?
3: Oh, I'm doing great.
0: Awesome. What's up? Yes.
3: Well, um, I just had a follow-up on the uh, previous caller Uh, concerning the Proverbs 5. I was reading Proverbs as well, and um, I think Proverbs 3 or 4, I can't remember which one it is, uh, talks about being faithful to uh, one woman, one wife, that. And I saw the personification of wisdom as being, uh, you need to be faithful to the wisdom of God as you would be to your... your spouse and the kind of the parallel there of being faithful with the wisdom of God versus and with the woman and if you're not faithful with the woman and fall away from that that would be like trying to or being adulterous with the wisdom of the world
0: okay yeah yeah so that would be um, you know wisdom personified there is um, is found in Proverbs chapter five, I think that's the one you're talking about where he talks about the um man who goes into adultery and those kinds of things. But it's also um I'm trying to find out where else. Yeah, it's it's in a couple of places there in um in um the book of Proverbs. So yeah, no, I think it is, you know, that. But I do this is, you know, a pretty well established uh, viewpoint that when it talks about the wisdom of god and it talks about the the personified wisdom of god yeah so that sorry this is what i was looking for in proverbs chapter 8 verses 27 and 28 this is where it talks about how through who that by wisdom or through wisdom god created the world and so this is where we get the idea that wisdom personified uh, throughout proverbs actually is speaking about jesus and it says that god did that by his wisdom um, yeah, so here's here's how that section goes. It's in Proverbs 8, starting in verse 22. This is wisdom speaking. And wisdom speaks throughout the chapter of uh, Proverbs chapter 8. You know, does not wisdom call, does not understanding um, call. So it says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion, the fear of the Lord and the hatred of evil. And then it goes on. The Lord, um, in the very first of his acts of old, ages ago, at the first, before the beginning of the the earth, when there were no depths, uh, when there was no spring abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, before he had made the earth and its field, or the first of the dust of the world. And so he goes on, you know, he says this. Um, When he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, and when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit, I was beside him like a master workman, and I was his daily delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of men. Now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear my instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. And he goes on. But my point is that that, that has historically been viewed by Christians as um, the personification of wisdom. And that is a correlation with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, which talk about Jesus as the divine logos.
3: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Oh well, cool. I appreciate the call and yeah. uh, the input. Sure. God bless you, Michael. Yes, yeah, thank right. you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines. It's a great time to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. Once again, call in line three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. 897 While we're waiting for those calls to come in, let's go over to our text line and look at a few of the texts that have come in. We have one text that says, Hi, my name is Chris. I'm a first-time listener from Johnstown, Colorado. I was on vacation last week and the gentleman covering my vacation left the station on 89.7 and I have been listening to the station all day. Hey Chris, welcome to Grace FM and the Calvary Live family. We're so glad that you found us and uh, that we believe that God directed you to us. That's actually something we pray every every show with the producer before we go on the air. That God would direct people to this show and that this show would be heard by people who need to hear it. And so, Chris, I'm so glad to hear that, and I hope that you'll continue doing that. And we'd love for you to spread the word about the station and let other people know about it. So, yeah, awesome, Chris. So glad to have you with us. And you're in Johnstown. Hey, if you're looking for a church, we have lots of people from Johnstown who drive to our church in Longmont. We'd love to have you. Check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to uh, next text message. Yeah, and so our producer said this, hey, look, everybody out there, leave every rental car on 89.7. If you're an employee at DIA, you know, and you work for a rental car company, you know, just do it. You turn that car dial to 89.7, and then whenever people turn on their car radio, they'll have it on there. It'll be awesome. You know, it's funny. I, I rented a car last week in Southern California, and I actually did end up listening to the station that the car had been left on by the previous driver. So that's like a real thing. That's like guerrilla marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So go and do that. If you uh, you know, work for a rental car company or have a rental car, turn it on to Grace FM and leave it there and we can get more people listening to the station like Chris. So awesome, Chris, glad to have you with us at yeah, Uber and Lyft drivers as well. So yeah, so here's the next question we had come in via text. Someone asked, is there a benefit to learning and reading Greek and reading a Greek Bible since the New Testament was written in Greek? So um, my answer is going to be yes, there is a benefit to it. I think it's, um, it's so it's something that I did, I did it in my uh, first degree, my first theology degree that I did at university. I got to choose between Hebrew and Greek and I chose Greek because I already speak Hungarian and it is closer to Hungarian, at least the grammar and uh, so it's actually a little bit easier for me to learn. I was already familiar with the alphabet from living in Eastern Europe and all those things so I learned Greek and I have to tell you it has helped me more than I thought it would. I thought, okay, you know, this is kind of just a novelty. This is, you know, the reason we have translations and we have books that kind of tell us what different things in Greek mean. That is plenty. We don't need more than that. But I thought, okay, I have to take this class to graduate from school. So I took it. And I got to tell you this. I have used Greek over the last, let's say five years since I learned that. Um, I have used it so much, more than I ever thought I would. Uh, I can't speak it, but I can definitely read it and I, I can read um, most of the New Testament, you know. And here's what, what happens. Like, here's uh, an example of a way that this was useful to me recently is that I had a pastor friend from California email to a group of us, you know, just saying, hey, I'm going to teach this particular text. And I can't understand, like, there's two ways to interpret and read this text, and I can't understand what the author's intent was in writing it. So, you know, do any of you guys have any ideas? And so some of the other pastor friends of ours wrote back and said, well, here's how I teach it, here's how I look at it. And what I was able to do, and I ended up spending way too much time doing it, but I spent a couple hours just reading the Greek and, and parsing the verbs and really getting into it, and I was able to say, well, not only is this how it's supposed to be read, this one particular way of reading this passage, but there's something in the Greek that just doesn't even come through in the English um, translations of it, almost none of the translations, and that's a you know special emphasis um, and a certain repetition on that. And someone's asking me right now via text what passage that was. I will look it up as I'm talking to you, and I'll let you know. Um, and maybe I could show you what I learned there in Greek in just a second. But um, yeah, so absolutely, I think it's it's helpful. One of the other ways that it helped me is that my kind of final for my Greek class was that I had to um, I had to translate the book of 1 John from Greek into English, basically create my, create my own translation and then compare that translation with other Bible translations that are out on the market today. And that was really, really helpful because what it helped me to see was that, um, you know, it helped me to see where translators are, you know, taking liberties and it helped me decide which translations I actually like and which I think are the most faithful and you know what really surprised me is that um, like the, the NIV for example gets a lot of flack and I found as I learned Greek that the NIV does a pretty good job now I, I realize there's more to it than that and I've written on that on my blog if you're interested check that out go to nickkady.org and type in in the search bar Bible translation and you'll see some of the stuff I've written about my hesitations about the NIV, but also my hesitations about the King James Version. So uh, you can check that out. But that, that's been one of the benefits of learning Greek. Okay, so I found that uh, that email thread. Here's, here's the passage that the person was wanting help on. It is... Oh, now I'm having trouble finding it. Okay, here we go. It is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. So Ephesians three, fourteen through 19. It's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And there are, there, there, there are two ways of reading this. Either he's praying for four different things, strength, Christ dwelling in the heart, comprehending the love of Christ, and experiencing the fullness of God. Or he's praying for one thing, which is strength, which results in three other things, which are Christ being at home in our hearts through faith, comprehending the love of God or experiencing the fullness of God so the question is what is Paul doing is this a list or is he praying for one thing which has three implications and um, what I was able to determine by reading the Greek was to say that um, what he's actually praying in his prayer he's actually praying for two things and then he has two implications but the other linguistic thing that's really interesting is that Paul uses a particular prefix. The prefix is kata, which is a you know derivative of it is found repeated over and over and over. And it is uh, an indicator of force and intensity. And so that, that changes the way that you read the passage. So I hope that helped. I know that might have been uh, more technical than I was originally planning to get into. But uh, yes, I do think there's benefit to learning and reading Greek. And there's some great books out there that are, you know, for total beginners, you know, what are the basics of reading Greek, you know, out al- from the alphabet and into uh, how to do it. Um, just make sure that you're learning um, ancient Greek as opposed to uh, modern Greek. So it's called Koine Greek. It's the Greek that was used at the time of Jesus. It's, uh, it's not that different. Like I can actually still read Greek things today, but they, the, the language is definitely different. So um, yeah, definitely encourage you to pursue that. God bless you. See, we have 10 minutes left in the show. We have a couple text messages, and we have all open lines. So let me give you those numbers again in case there's anyone out there who would like to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Before we go on, let me uh, tell you about one other really exciting thing going on at Whitefields. And that is that every year we have uh, ministry towards children in our area who are in need and specifically these are children who are in kinship and foster care and so we work with health and human services departments in boulder weld and adams counties and a little bit in larimer county here in northern colorado and um, what we do is they give us lists of kids who are in need and we uh, provide for their needs. So at Christmas, we provide for this year, we provided for almost three hundred kids uh, Christmas presents. And many of you from Grace FM as we we let you know about this program, you participated. Some of you gave online and uh, donated to that to that fund. Others of you actually came and and purchased gifts and brought them, um, and they were delivered to those children and those families. Well, we also do a thing back to school time because we know that the statistics about dropping out of school, are really high for people who are, or for children who are in the foster system, and dropping out of school then correlates with a lot of other things in life, um, which means things like drug abuse, um, teenage pregnancy, things like that. And so, one of those tangible ways that we like to serve our community and bring, um, bring the gospel into. Uh, our community is that we like to provide for some of these needs, and so we want to encourage kids to stay in school by helping them have the supplies that they need, help and including clothes, and helping them feel confident and comfortable in going to school. So we do this thing called Project Back to School, in which we provide. Uh, this year it'll be 120 backpacks for children in uh, in need, so in in poverty in foster care, etc. In Weld County. Boulder County and in Adams County. And just because of the makeup of these different counties, you know, most of the people who are in need are found in Weld County, which is just adjacent to us here in Longmont. And so if you would like more information about that, Go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com, and it's right there on the front page. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a big post about it, and you can click on that. It'll give you all the information about all the ways that you can get involved, and you can even sign up online there. So whitefieldschurch.com, Project Back to School. We'd love for you to partner with us because the more people we get from outside of our church, the more people we're able to impact um, here in northern Colorado. We'd love for you to partner with us in doing that. Let's go to our next caller, Teresa in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the program. Hi. What's up? Um,
4: I have a question. I know that there were animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, and then Jesus fulfilled that law. So I'm confused. Is there going to be um, humans or animal sacrifices? Excuse me, in the millennial kingdom? And where does it say that, and why?
0: Um, will there be sacrifice in the Millennial Kingdom? No, I don't believe that there will be. And I'll tell you why. Is because in okay. the book of Hebrews, especially uh-huh. chapters 9 and 10,
4: uh-huh.
0: and um, I'm just going to pull it up right now on, in my Bible. So it says that Jesus is the one sacrifice to end all sacrifices and that there are no more sacrifices that are made after his sacrifice. It also goes on to tell us that the um, the Old Testament sacrifices – uh, were signposts, which essentially were foreshadowings and pointing to Jesus So um, right. All that is to say that I don't believe that there will be sacrifices in the millennial kingdom
4: Okay, because I was reading on gotquestions.org and it confused me as to because it says In hebrews 10 and I was reading that but then it confused me as to um let me see. To those born during the millennial Kingdom, animal sacrifices will again be an object lesson. Mm-hmm. During that future time, righteousness and holiness will prevail, but those with earthly bodies will still have a sin nature, and there will be a need to teach about how offensive sin is to holy and righteous God. So animal yeah. sacrifices will serve that purpose, but in those sacrifices there will be a reminder of sins year by year. And it says Hebrews 10.3. It gives me that... So I'm a
0: little bit confused. Yeah, so one one verse that's used to describe that, and it really it's a verse that we need to take into consideration, is Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 43, which mentions that there will be this rebuilt temple, what we call the third temple. And in that temple there will be hooks three inches long fastened to the foyer walls, or the foyer if you like to pronounce it correctly, right? So the Mm -hmm. uh, sacrificial meat is laid on the tables. And people are asking, you know, does this describe the millennial temple? Okay. It's really, really hard for us to know that. Um, I think the answer would be yes, it's describing the millennial temple. Um, but, you know, here's what I don't know. I, I do believe that there will be a third temple that will be mm-hmm. built before Jesus' second coming. And, mm-hmm. um, and I know that because, you know, Revelation describes how right. the uh, Antichrist is going to enter in exactly. there and declare that he's mm-hmm. God and demand to be worshipped, etc. And so mm-hmm. there will be a temple, and I believe that in that temple there will be sacrifices made. But mm-hmm. this is this is my understanding of it, and hey, I'm open to the fact that I could be wrong on this. But my understanding of is, of it is this: that there will be a third temple, that there will be sacrifices made. But when Jesus returns, when the when the millennium takes place, that there will not be sacrifices at that time, because Jesus himself is amongst us as a sacrifice. Now, right, I could, I could be I, wrong on us, on that, and I'm open to that.
4: Okay, great, because that's what I was confused about, because the, the when I was reading it, it got questions.org, and then somebody had asked me that, and I was trying to give an answer, and like you said, it makes sense about revelations, and then the Antichrist demanding that he be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And there will be sacrifices because of—it talks about like a—well, anyway, um, okay, I was just confused. So I was hoping that I'd get more, uh, like, biblical references and verses yeah. as to where it would talk about it.
0: Yeah, does that give you any more clarity?
4: Um. Yeah, okay. okay. It, it and does, just— uh, just a little. Bit. Yeah.
0: So I was in uh, as in Israel just recently and they, you know, they have this temple institute, which is a Jewish thing where they're preparing for the building of the third temple. Yeah. And um, I mean, this is something they're really planning on doing and they absolutely are planning on uh, starting up animal sacrifices again. But okay. my understanding at the return of Jesus in the second, you know, in the in the millennial kingdom there, um, there will not be. But that's my take on it. I know that there are probably people who who would argue. Clearly, there are people who would argue that there will be.
4: Okay, thank so you very much. You bet. Okay, bye. God bless helps. you.
0: All right. Bye-bye. All right.
4: Good day.
0: Bye bye. Listening to Calvary Live, we've come up to the last minute and a half of our show. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to take one more question. Somebody named Mike texted in asking, "What should be this on the subject of foreigners and how the Bible tells us to treat them?" Um, Kinda of hard to make out exactly what um Mike's question is here. But this, you know, what should be our attitude towards foreigners? Very quickly. Foreigners were part of what's called the quadrilateral of the um or the yeah, the oh the yeah, I guess quadrilateral of the most vulnerable. So these would be orphans, widows, foreigners and the poor. And God's people in the Old Testament were told to defend them and take care of them because they themselves were once foreigners. Therefore, they were to love the foreigner amongst them and show hospitality to them. So, I hope that answers your question. There's a lot more that could be said on that, but uh, I'll be with you again tomorrow and then again on Friday. You've been listening to Calvary Live. God bless you, and thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Calvary Live.